Welcome, listeners, to a fast-moving, soul-searching, abundant now broadcast. My name is Marion, and I thank you for tuning in. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And now, without further ado, our host, the man with the God message, Ralph McCauley. Well, good evening, my brothers and sisters wherever you are around the world. As our announcer has already mentioned, you're listening to the Abundant Now radio broadcast. We bring you the love of God and the greatness of Jesus into your lives and into your homes. Wherever you are, whatever you're dealing with, we want you to know that God cares for you. And uh, the reason we're here is to uh, promulgate the gospel, to bring it to your home, to your hearts, that you might be blessed in this season. Of course, we're living in trying times, and um, uh, uh, we are dealing with the corona virus and all of the devastating after effects that are happening with that. Nevertheless, we just praise God because God is the great sustainer of life. No matter what we're going through, no matter what we're dealing with, if the watchman um, doesn't watch over the city, then everybody wakes in vain. So it takes God to God over our lives and to and to keep us in spite of what's going on. We use common sense and we use uh, we go by the guidelines, but we trust in God. And the Bible said the just must live by faith. So we're living by faith in the Son of God and what He has done. In our lives. So we praise God for you. Wherever you're listening around the world, we want you to know that God cares for you. And so we're going to bring you a message today. And uh, in this black history season, uh, Afro-American history season, if you will, we want you to know that uh, God is yet on the throne and he cares about his people. He has our best interests at hand. And uh, nothing escapes him or takes him by surprise. He knows the end from the beginning. And so our message is going to come from the book of Genesis in the 45th chapter. And you'll find uh, in that particular chapter that uh, we're dealing with the sons of Jacob. And we're dealing with uh, particularly Joseph who was sold into slavery into Egypt land and uh, when his brothers show up in Egypt land because there's a famine in his land and their land um, they came to get to buy grain in Egypt because they were simply out the famine famine was taking place and everything was hitting kind of hard and so 
uh, he tells his brothers that showed up that it wasn't you that sent me here, but God sent me to preserve your life and to uh, send forth a great deliverance within our family, uh, within the land, and uh, within this time. So here in this particular chapter, we find the story of Joseph and how he is uh, taken to Egypt and uh, through all of the trial and tribulation that he went through, he became second in command in the land of Egypt, second to Pharaoh, and he had ruled over all of Egypt, uh, the affairs that um, Egypt might be spared and that the people in the surrounding areas might be spared from the great famine that was upon them. And the Bible talks about uh, famines and pestilence coming. And I believe that's what we're dealing with right today with this coronavirus. But nevertheless, uh, we are in uh, this season because uh, God knows all about what we're dealing with. And looking at the uh, scripture, looking at this particular message, I want to give you today, um, it comes, I say, from Genesis, the 45th chapter. A simple message that uh, was quite inspiring to me, and I thought I might bring it to you. So as we look through the years and look back in the uh, the Bible history, the Bible, um, uh, the pages of time, we see that um, God was on the throne. It was about 2,000 years ago before the birth of Christ that Moses traveled to Midian in the southern part of the Fertile Crest. Um, in the land of Midian, Moses met a dark-skinned uh, Midianite woman. He loved her. He married her. And he worked and lived near his dark-skinned Midianite father-in-law, Jethro. Praise God. Numbers 12 and 1 indicate that Jethro and his daughter were Ethiopian people. The Bible said that uh, Marion and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman that he had married. Yeah, for the Bible says that uh, he had married an Ethiopian woman. Of course, Marion and Moses were sisters and brothers, and Aaron uh, was his brother. Um, they had a very serious attitude about what Moses had done. But in Numbers 12 and 9, the Bible indicates that the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Marion became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Marion, and behold, she was leprous. God must have said, well, you think you like being white, and see how you deal with this. So Moses again later would ask one of his brother-in-laws, Ahodab, to join with the Israelites. In Numbers 10 and 29, Moses says to Hodab, the son of Regal, uh, the Midianite, says we're journeying into a place which the Lord said, I will give it you. Come thou with us and we will do you good. For the Lord has spoken good concerning Israel. Okay, so Moses again marries an Ethiopian woman. And his father-in-law Jethro, an Ethiopian, came to him with some high management counsel about the organization of the Israelites. and said, you got too much burden on you. 
delegate some of this responsibility, and Moses invites his Ethiopian brother-in-law, Hodab, to be a member of the council among the Israelites. 400 years later, uh, Joseph would marry a dark-skinned Egyptian woman from northern Africa. Almost a thousand years before the birth of Christ, the Queen of Sheba from the land of Cush uh, or the land of Ethiopia came to visit Solomon. She came from Africa with many spices, golds, and precious stones. Her culture and her nation had obviously existed and flourished a long time before that time. And then it was the Ethiopian king Bianchi who established the 24th Egyptian dynasty. At least four Egyptian kings ruled over Egypt from 730 B.C. until 656 B.C. Great nations and great cultures, great civilizations existed in Africa uh, centuries before Jesus Christ was even born. One of the greatest generals of all time was a black man named Hannibal from the city of Carthage in northern Africa. He defied and frequently defeated the nation of Rome, that great world power. Then, he many, then many years later, it, uh, in the year of 1498 A.D., Portuguese explorers wrote that as they traveled along the eastern coast of Africa, they found tall stone towns of comfort and wealth. They found a people who were highly civilized skilled in the use of the compass and the reading of navigational charts. In 1518, mention is made of the city of Timbuktu in western Sudan, a magnificent city where the merchants there made greater profit from the sale of books than they did from the sale of any other commodity that was distributed. In the area of science, art, and medicine, government, law, and so on, Certain of the nations in Africa at that time were competitive with, and in many cases more advanced than other nations of the world during the same period. This was all devastated by the slave trade. William Banks gives the following report. He says that 20 million Negroes were captive over the span of some 300 years. They were jammed and crammed in ships like sardines in a can and brought across the Atlantic from the Gulf of the Guinea to the New World in a ship called the Middle Passage. Twenty million landed in Latin America and about two million landed uh, in the United States. You might ask, what happened to the other millions? Well, some died in captivity while waiting to be brought out of Africa. Some committed suicide by eating quantities of clay. Others beaten and too weak to continue the trek and the convoy to the hall to the harbor were abandoned to die. Most of the loss of life took place at sea. Perhaps many, uh, more than half of the slave ships from Africa never became effective workers in the New World. At sea, they were shackled in iron. They huddled beneath the decks of the ship for 16 hours at a time. In unbearable heat, filth, and stench, barely surviving on the stale, spoiled food and stagnant water. During the several weeks that it took to make the trip, the slaves were only given a few minutes a day on deck for fresh air and exercise. If the weather was bad, 
they had neither fresh air or exercise. Many died from dysentery, smallpox, and other diseases. Some starved themselves to death by refusing to eat. Others committed a suicide by jumping into the oceans. Other re- others rebelled against uh, what was going on, especially those that were warriors taken in battle. Often those uh, were beaten or shot to death, and some died soon after reaching American soil. It would be good to inquire and say what is the impact, what was the impact on Africa of the loss of 15 to 20 million of its inhabitants? How many died trying to defend their families and friends from the violence associated uh, with being captured of those that were to become slaves? And um, after the slave trade came the horrible period of colonialism during which the European and the Mediterranean invaders uh, did to Africa's resources what those before them did to Africa's people. What is the value of the resources and of the people who were taken out of Africa? Even after the abolition of slavery, black people have experienced one humiliating, dehumanizing devastation after another. Uh, But in the midst of it all, and all they went through, still they produced men like Benjamin Banneker, maker of the first American clock, an Albanite writer. We produce people like Sojourner Truth, uh, George Washington Carver, Charles Drew, a pioneer in blood plasma research, Benjamin O. Davis, Thurgood Marshall, Ralph Bunchy, Booker T. Washington, Marian Anderson, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, and a host of others that rose to attain excellence. Now let's go a little further and examine the interaction of black people and the continent of Africa with the Church of Jesus Christ. Because of their concern for the life and safety of the babe, that is Jesus, Mary, and Joseph had to find a place of refuge from the cruelty and evil of King Herod. And it was Egypt in northern Africa that they went to save the Christ child. During the dark days of the crucifixion of uh, Jesus Christ, uh, the Jews of Asia were condemning him, crying out for his death. And the Roman centurions, on the other hand, representing Europe, were driving nails into his hands and into his feet, brutally piercing him in the side. But it was Simon of Cyrene, representing Africa, that stepped forward when everybody else was stepping back. Matthew 27 says, let us, lets us know that he bore the cross of Jesus Christ. And listen, if Jesus needed help with his cross, I'm sure he understands when we uh, need help with our crosses. If Jesus had a load that was more than he could bear so that he dropped under the weight of it, how much more now when he sees us about to drop under the weight of things that rest upon our shoulders? How much is he able to help and sustain us and to take us through. One might think the privilege of bearing the cross of Jesus Christ would have been reserved for Simon Peter or John or one of the apostles, but God chose black hands and willing hands to perform an act and render a service that was that the truly wise and great man of all ages would have been supremely honored to share and to perform. Stepping down further through time, 
uh-huh, we see that uh, after the time that the gospel was preached, uh, preached first to the Jews and then to the Samaritans who were of a mixed Jewish stock, there was a deacon by the name of Philip that was divinely commissioned to a desert place. And there he found the Ethiopian secretary treasurer riding in his chariot. So before Peter was sent to the Italians uh, of Caesarea, and before Paul began his diligent missionary efforts in Midwestern Europe, this Ethiopian nobleman heard and believed the gospel and went back home to found the first Abyssinian church that still exists even until today. The first Gentile convert on record was an African, an Ethiopian man. And the historian, mm -hmm, Dean Milner, said it was Africa and not Rome uh, that gave birth to Latin Christianity. Says it was Africa that gave the church three of its greatest leaders and scholars. Augustine, Tertullian, and Cyprian were all born in northern Africa. In the city of Carthage, where Pubian and Nubian blood mixed and produced one of the ancient world's most powerful and advanced civilizations, uh, the African Tertullian uh, made Latin Christianity ethical, juridistic, and practical. The African Cyprian uh, was the church's authority in all manner of ecclesiastical law and probably the greatest contribution to Western Christianity and theology was made by the African Augustine. So if any person would reject Christianity because they said it's a white man's religion, is both mistaken and grossly misinformed. Christianity is no white man's religion, but on the opposite side of the coin, it's no black man's religion either. But it's a religion uh, for every man and woman that wants to find the truth and wants to find God and wants to find what is real. Black men had the privilege to be among the first leaders and participants in the Pentecostal charismatic revival that started in the early 1900s that swept the country and the world. The historian Vincent Simon said that William Seymour, a black man, and Charles Perham, a white man, share roughly equal positions as the founding fathers of modern Pentecostalism. Perham first emphasized uh, Pentecostal doctrines in Baxter Springs, Kansas. And Seymour was the outstanding personality in bringing the great and crucial Pentecostal revival called the Azusa Street Revival. Got started over on Bonnie Bray Street and a little prayer meeting. Blacks and whites and others nationalities came together and they worshiped God in that place. And when it got too large for Bonnie Bray, they moved over on Azusa Street. And this is where they continue the revival and that's where the name comes from, the great Azusa Street Revival, and that where they wound up is not where they started. A few years ago, the man that owned Bonnie Bray House came to the chief prelate of the Churches of God in Christ and said, since you have been assisting in the upkeep subsequent to uh, that time, we're going to give you this house into your hand. And um, uh, consequently, the first jurisdiction of Southern California have made Bonnie Bray House a Pentecostal museum. Pentecostalism spread around the world and across the nation 
through uh, the world by this same revival. One key person uh, by the name of Charles Harrison Mason, a black man, became the founder and father of the Churches of God in Christ. The church was incorporated legally as a holy body in 1897. In 1907, Elder Mason traveled to Seymour's Revival and received a baptism in the Holy Ghost. Others members sought and received the same experience. And in the Church of God in Christ, uh, it it became uh, the first legally Pentecostal body uh, in the history of this country. The historian Dean Simon pointed out that most of the white Pentecostal churches between 1907 and 1914 had no recognizable ecclesiastical body to represent them or to ordain their, ordain their ministers. Therefore, uh, they were not authorized to perform marriages and obtain ministerial or uh, do other ministerial duties. They also couldn't obtain clergy rates as they traveled on the railroad. So scores of the white ministers obtained Church of God in Christ credentials to Elder Mason, and uh, there was one group in Alabama and Texas that received permission to use the name Church of God in Christ in 1912, and this arrangement continued until 1914, when their predominantly white organization birthed into what we know today as the Assemblies of God. When God called uh, Bishop Mason home, he left behind one of the greatest Pentecostal bodies in the world. But I want to let you know today that um, God is not through with anybody, any people. He's certainly not through with the black man and the man of color uh, because God, he use, uses strange situations and bring uh, th- uh things that were in the past or things that have been uh, sort of on a small scale. He brings them to the forefront. He knows how to do that. And I want you to know that, that God is uh, on his throne and he knows what he's doing. And in this day and time, uh, all it takes for uh, you to be in a place with God is to uh, be in tune with what God is doing. God is in the business of healing and and reviving nations, reviving souls, saving and delivering people. And all you need to do is to press in. Uh, I heard um, Paul said, I am in the press. I press forth uh, and I'm in the press. And I press toward the mark of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And I want to admonish you today that if you want to hear and know the great things of God, get in the press. And uh, you can uh, know beyond a shadow of a doubt uh, that God is on your side, he's with you, and he cares for the things that he puts in your heart. And so be it not, be not uh, dismayed, never be tired tired of what you're going through, uh, but know this, you shall reap in due season if you faint not. Hold on, my brother. Hold on, my sister. God has great things he wants to do in your life. And so to you in this uh, listening audience, in this Black History uh, Month and season, Afro-American people, whoever you are, we want you to know that God loves you. Um, 
Never put yourself down, but always look to the hills from which cometh your help. Your help comes from God. So we're going to pray and we're going to believe God uh, to touch you wherever you are, whatever your nationality is, especially if you're uh, of African descent. Know that God is with you. As he brought uh, our people through in the past, he's yet bringing us to greater uh, mountains and greater uh, places of decision and uh, greater places of influences. God is great, and he's greatly to be praised. So I'm going to pray, my brothers and sisters, and I want you just to believe God. If you need a healing in your body, if you need a special touch, if you need the hand of God to lay upon you, I want you to get in this prayer, and I want you to believe God, that God will do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. Father, we thank you, God, for this word. We thank you for your truth. And even as you brought brought Joseph, who was down and out, who was sold into slavery, thrown in a pit, and uh, put down in Egypt land. And God, as you took your time and raised him up, and you raised him up that he might be a great deliverance, so you are raising up individuals right now, God, to um, bring forth deliverance and Bring forth a blessing to others, O God, around the world, that they, O God, might know that there's a God in heaven and that there's a God that hears our prayers. And you move by your power. You move uh, by your infinite hand and by what you want to do in the hearts of your people. Now bless everywhere. Save the unsaved. Deliver the bound. Set the captive free. And if you don't know Jesus... Uh, you haven't been born again, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Ask Jesus to come in your heart to deliver you, set you free, make you born again. Father, in the name of Jesus, pray with me, wherever you are, wherever you're listening. Father, I believe that Jesus, he died on the cross. Praise God, he prayed the supreme sacrifice. He gave his blood that we might be free from sin. I surrender my heart to you. And I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart and set me free, make me born again, that I might serve you and walk with you all the days of my life. I trust you now, I believe you now, and I give you praise now, and I honor you, and I thank you for what you're doing and what you shall do. Now, God bless everywhere, bless your people, bless this broadcast, oh God, as it goes forth. And every listener, God, give them to be blessed and to know you in another way, a better way. Take us to higher heights, deeper debts in you. We pray, we believe it done. We thank you for it by faith. We give you praise. Bless this abundant now broadcast. And bless every hearer, every listener. And um, if you have any questions, any uh, concerns uh, over the message and uh, what God would have you to do, you could write me. I'm at Ralph underscore Macaulay at yahoo.com. You write me with your concerns, and I'll write you back. And uh, in the meantime, until we meet again, may heaven smile upon you. May the goodness of God go with you wherever you go. God bless you, my brother. In his name. Bye-bye.